welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Well, Pastor Daryl and Connie are on their way to Israel. Isn't that exciting? We, we are blessed to be able to bless them and so thankful that they're getting this time. Uh, they'll be flying out in just a couple hours. Uh, let's keep them in our prayers. I'm praying that their trip there and back is without event. And that they don't have stories to tell about the journey there. <laughs> we just want that to be quick, easy, fast, and then lots of stories from their experience there. Uh, also, just want to remind you that next Sunday, uh, Akiva Cohen, who is a Messianic Jew in Israel that ministers uh, to Israel uh, and to uh, Muslims there, is, is he's a ministry that we support, and he will be here next Sunday sharing with us. Uh, so they, uh, Pastor Daryl is passing him. <laughs> they're, they're traveling there. He's traveling here. And they, they talked, or Pastor Daryl reached out to kind of get together with him when we first talked about the trip. And he said, well, I'm actually going to be there. So we lined him up to, to share with us while he's here. So we're looking forward to that. And then we'll jump back into Galatians chapter 2 the week after that. Well, Galatians chapter 1 is where we're going to be starting this morning, and I'm, I'm very excited to be able to share this message with you. And uh, God kind of changed the plan on me last night. I was uh, working on, on the message and had all my notes and was just trying to kind of organize them and all that, and then felt like he was saying, no, you're not going to be using any notes tomorrow. And I was like, really? <laughs> It's been a long time since I've done that and, and never here, uh, so it'll be, it'll be kind of a new experience for all of us, but uh, I wanted to be obedient and, and follow him, so, uh, and, and lucky for you, I think I learned a little bit from the first service, so I'll be able to <laughs> compress where I need to compress and, and go. Uh, well, I want to start out, though, with a question, because one of the things that um, Galatians talks about is the gospel. That's a word that we throw around regularly, the gospel. And it's one of those terms that in the Christian world we would think is kind of in that ABC, you know, kind of the beginning steps of, of Christianity, the gospel. We should all know what the gospel is. So since we should all know that, I thought it would be a good idea if I just kind of picked some people this morning and had you come up and share what the gospel is. And, uh, you know, somebody that came to mind was Luther. <laughs> you can relax. Don't worry. I changed my plan. <laughs> then I thought, I was like, well, that would just be unfair to Luther, you know, because he would be the one I would call on. So I thought, well, I could just put some dots under some random chairs and then we could all look and see if we won the prize of getting to get up here and, and tell us what the gospel is about. And uh, you can all relax. There's no dots. Nobody's going to come up and share the gospel is that. Anybody's heart start racing a little bit? <laughs> yes. Steve's, yeah, Steve was calm. Steve was calm, but he's like, Phil, sorry, she was getting nervous. Isn't it interesting, though, that something that we would say is so simple and so, you know, elementary in the Christian world, that the thought of us having to kind of get up and explain it to somebody else would throw us into sheer panic. You know, oh my gosh, what if he's about to call on me. What if there is really a dot under my chair? What am I going to do? Um, but it's the gospel. That's supposed to be simple. You know, that's supposed to be easy. Well, guess what? It's not that simple. And it's not that easy. And in Galatians, Paul's pointing that out to us. One of the things that is interesting about Galatians, Galatians the letter to the Galatians, it's often overlooked, is that Paul was writing this to the church. 
He's representing the gospel to the church. This isn't a message to unbelievers. This is representing to believers that he converted himself. This isn't like correcting, oh, you know, you just had Joe that came to talk to y'all, so he kind of messed y'all up. So now, Paul, I'm going to come back. No, Paul presented the gospel to them. Paul converted them, and then he left, and they started believing another gospel. And if you had a chance to read uh, Galatians chapter 1 this week, you would have seen some of that. Something else you would have noticed is in this first chapter, he doesn't tell us what that other gospel was. We're going to get in, we'll get into that later as we get more into Galatians. But just to give you a little bit of a heads up, what it was is that the Judaizers is what they were called, people who were previously you know, following Jew, uh, the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, like Paul, Paul, he goes into uh, what he was, what he was called out of. They were like Paul, but they felt like Jesus wasn't enough. Grace wasn't enough. You had to add to it. If you were a non-Jew and you got saved, they were saying, now you have to be circumcised. Now you have to follow the law of Moses. And Paul was saying, if you add anything to the gospel, it's no longer a gospel at all. You've perverted it. You've changed it, and it's, it's not the gospel. It's void. It's null and void. It's useless. And so, so Paul is trying to clear things up and saying, you've gotten confused. And so what, what I felt like God was putting on my heart, and I kind of felt like this morning, what I'm hoping is that this would, even though it is me speaking to a large group, to kind of see this, as this would be how I would share with you if it was just you and me sitting at a table drinking a cup of coffee, that I want to share with you what is on my heart and what God's saying but about his word and about how valuable the word is and the heart that we're to have toward the word and how we're supposed to seek him and follow him and stay on track and not get off course. And that's what Paul was doing when he was writing this letter to the Galatians. So let's look at Galatians 1 verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. So uh, right there, he's just making a case for his apostleship and his authority in Christ. He's saying, men didn't appoint me. I didn't get this office because I was voted in. Christ himself, the resurrected Christ, appeared to me, and that's how I got my message. So that's, that's what he's saying here right up front is, you can trust me. You can trust what I'm about to say. And then what we just referred to a minute ago, to the churches of Galatia. This letter is written to the church, to the believers. It's not uh, to unbelievers. It's not trying to convince them. It's trying to get the church back on track. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's going to tell us what the gospel is in one verse. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He gave himself for our sins. A theological word would be, he was, uh, it was a substitutionary sacrifice. He took our place so that we don't have to receive the punishment that's due us. Two other words that are thrown into what we would call the ABCs of Christianity would be grace and mercy. But even those words aren't, uh, 
aren't always something that we would just say, oh yeah, I know what those means. And sometimes we get them flipped back and forth. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. If God were to give us what we deserve, which is punishment and death, he wouldn't be giving us mercy. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. We're getting something that we don't deserve. If I were a judge and someone came before me and had stolen a car and they should go to prison for five years, but I say, no, I'm going to just let you off with a warning. Don't do that again. I'm showing him mercy. Grace would be me saying, and I'm going to buy you a car. And my hope is this is going to change your life. That this mercy and grace that I'm showing you will change your life. That you're going to go and be different. Now he's going to have a choice. He would get to do whatever he wants to do with that grace and mercy. But that would be showing grace and mercy. And that's what God has done with us. He's not given us the punishment we deserve if we accept Christ as our Savior. And he's given us everything we need to function in the Christian walk. Through grace. It's all been given to us by grace. By grace we have been saved. So some of the things that we're going to get to as we dig deeper into Galatians is, is faith and works and that balance of, of, well, in Galatians later it's going to say, you're saved by faith alone. It's just by faith. Then you jump to James and it says, show me your faith by your or show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And so then you think, wait a second. Galatians said, it's by faith only. What's this thing? And so what, what we start to understand is that the ABCs of Christianity, the gospel, is not the ABCs. It's the A to Z. The gospel's the whole picture. As I was Preparing for this and getting ready, one of the uh, thoughts that I had was, you know, Pastor Gerald spent, uh, I think it was five or so weeks on the mystery of God, the mysteries of God. And a lot of it, you could say, is the gospel. It was on coming to Christ. It was on what God has done for us. We went through Philippians before that. Now we're getting into Galatians. And I was looking at that and I was like, God, we're just presenting the gospel over and over. And I was like, isn't this kind of, are they going to... Is the congregation going to be like, we keep hearing the same message. What's this about? And he said, this is the whole deal. If you understand the gospel, if you understand uh, what's in this, then you get everything. And it is everything. But you know what? It's not easy. It's not easy and it's not simple. And a lot of times we come to the Bible and we start reading it. How many times have you read something and you said, I don't understand this. This is hard, so I'm not going to read that anymore. What if we did that with everything in life? This is getting hard, so I'm going to quit. And there's people that live life that way in every area of their life. This is getting hard, so I'm not going to do it anymore. But life's hard. Every aspect of it. When, when a baby is born, it's hard for it to learn how to eat. It's hard for it to learn how to roll over from its stomach to its back. I remember Candy and I watching Abby and Allison as they would roll over and they would just struggle to figure out because they didn't like being on their stomach. They wanted to get back to their back, but we weren't going to put them on their back. It was like, you got to do it on your own if you want it bad enough. <laughs> and they would struggle and struggle and lift their arm and try to get their weight. And finally, they figured it out in this little 
plop over and we'd cheer and get all excited because they'd figured it out. And then it was hard to learn how to sit up and it was hard to learn how to walk and it was hard to learn how to ride a bike and it was hard to learn all your colors and it was hard to learn the alphabet and it was hard to learn math and it was everything's hard. Why do we think we can come to the Bible and to God, to the mysteries that Pastor Daryl has been teaching us on and say, if it's not easy, then I'm not going to do it. It's too hard. It's too hard to get the picture. It's too hard to understand, but it's the most important thing we'll ever understand. And what we're going to see this morning, let's look at the last uh, couple verses from 6 to 9. And these are the only uh, verses we're going to look at in Galatians this morning. It says, I'm astonished. I'm astonished. He was exasperated in in chapter 3. He says, you foolish Galatians. How have you already forgotten? Who's bewitched you? He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then he clarifies, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And that word distort is the same as pervert or reverse. It's not just a tweak. It's not discovering new things about Christianity. They're not enlightening themselves. And so many people today want to tell us how we can be enlightened. God's inclusive. Everything's okay. God loves everybody. You don't have to work at it. There's, this isn't hard. You got your ticket punched when you accepted them. Now go do whatever the heck you want. That's the gospel that's being preached today. And if it's not being preached, it's the one being believed by a lot of us. We can do whatever we want. And what Paul's saying is when you change it, it's no gospel at all. But the gospel is all by faith. And it is without works. And that's that's where it gets hard. So he tells us it's all by faith, and then later we see, well, the work's got to come along with it. It's confusing. So most of the time we just want to say that's hard, and so it's too hard to figure out, so I'm just going to walk away. Well, that's not what we're called to do. And the key here is the works follow the grace. It's like the little example I gave about the judge. If you've been forgiven, go do something different. If you really received him, if he really is in your life, if he's transforming your heart, your works are going to change. Does it mean that you're never going to mess up again, that nothing's ever going to go wrong, that you're never going to stumble? Absolutely not. But later in Galatians, we're going to read that it says, if you walk in the flesh, by no means will you enter the kingdom of heaven. Walk in the spirit. So as we go through this, we're going to dive into all these complex questions. And guess what? They're not going to all be answered in the next, you know, five hours. Actually, it's 30 minutes. So what? Two and a half hours of sermons. We're not going to figure it all out. You got to go and figure it out for yourself. You've got to seek him. You've got to follow him. And what I want to get across this morning is that this is a picture. It's just a picture of what God's doing, just like the mystery that Pastor Darrell has been talking about. We see things And it's a picture of what's behind. What God shows us is a picture of the kingdom. And I was I was on a walk uh, the other morning and just praying. And 
looking around and um, when we see things, when we see scenery, I think just for our minds to comprehend it or even not be constantly overwhelmed, it's like we turn it into like it's just a picture. You know, the reality, even as we encounter, we're driving down the road and we see everything. It's almost like it's just a picture. And we don't realize, you realize that if you stopped your car and got out, that every single one of those blades of grass you could go to, and it's a real blade of grass. And you could walk for miles and miles and and experience that and get in it, and it's all real. But we just see it from afar off, and we just kind of put it all together and just let it go by. But we don't experience it. And as, you know, we're talking about those babies. Who knows that a baby wants to experience everything? They go up. If they were right here, they'd be like, "What's this feel like? Oh, it's rough. What's this feel like? Oh, it's smooth. What's this? Does this open? Does it tear? <laughs> you know." What, you know, they want to experience everything and experience is great and we need to experience things. But we have to remember that that's the only part of the picture. How many of you know through age and through experience that you probably learned some lessons that you didn't have to learn on your own? That you could have taken someone else's experience without doing it yourself. But I didn't want to because that wasn't fun. You know, that didn't seem like it would be as much of an experience if I just, you know, took their word for it. How many, buddy, would you like to go to a doctor who said, I don't want to take the lessons that that all these other uh, people going to medical school are going to get. They're going to spend a lot of time in boring books and, you know, look at all this history of medicine and figure out what all these other people learned. That's, That's hard. I just want to experience it for myself. I'll figure it out on my own. I'll see what the inside of a person looks like when I cut them open. And then we'll see if we can figure out what's wrong. Who wants to go to that doctor? Nobody. But he'd be experiencing it and he'd be learning. Well, who wants to go to the doctor that learns that way? But we come to faith and think, well, this is hard. This doesn't make any sense. So I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to set it to the side. I'm not going to go to a teacher. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to go to the volumes and volumes of books that have been written that could explain it to me. Because that would be a lot of work. But it's important. And it's a picture of that reality that we see. It's, and I, what I want to show you this morning, and I hope that we just plant a seed of a love for God's Word this morning, that you see that this is like a map. It's a map that's going to show you how to get where you want to go and how to live and how to walk through this life. And it's a map that was written by other people's experiences with God himself. But there's something about experiencing something ourselves that we think is so much uh, more exciting. And then we come to the map and we think, well, this isn't what I just experienced. Well, yeah, it is. It's just a different picture. And we need both sides of the picture. Just like grace and works go together. The works doesn't get you salvation, but boy, they better follow salvation. But they go together. Feeling and having an experience with God and feeling His presence and being in awe and wonder of His creation and then going to His Word and finding out what He says and how how it really works and what this gospel means go hand in hand. If you go all into the feeling and don't take the map, you're going to get lost. 
and you're going to go find yourself in a very dangerous place. Well, this morning, uh, <laughs> I shared in the first service that I dabbled in map making as a hobby when I was younger. And um, it's not true. But um, you'll see. Can you show the, my map? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, so as I was explaining this, though, Can- Candy and the girls are, are helping in children's now. Um, but they were there, and Candy said, I was sitting there, she's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know he used to do, do maps. Well, I didn't. But <laughs> here's the map that I drew uh, uh, this morning, last night, sometime. Um, where Where is that taking you? To McDonald's. So as crude as that is, how many, how many have followed a map like that in your life? Kid, no kids, because they've got their phone and Google. You know, but anyone, probably 25 plus, has followed a map like that at some point. That somebody just drew, you know, two, three crosses and some letters, and here you go, off on your way. A map is a picture of reality. It's trying to get you somewhere. And even something as crude as this will get you where you need to go if you're wanting to go to McDonald's from New Covenant Church. If that's your plan, that'll take you there. Most people, I'm sure there's some that couldn't follow that, but most people, that would get them to McDonald's. Show the next, the next one. Maps have gotten increasingly, increasingly detailed. Here, this is a map of Tampa Bay, Florida. And uh, it's, it's exact. It's the scale. That's what all the land masses, that's what the water, that's, that's, that's what it looks like. And sometimes we, we come to something like that and we would say, well, that's boring. You know, that, that's, that's just flat. That's just colored paper. What am I going to get from that? Well, there's a lot of information that if you wanted to navigate that area would be very valuable. Uh, you can sh- show the next picture. This is a globe. Kids, this was before 3D came out. This is a globe I grew up with. That thing has bumps. You can feel the mountains. You can see it. There was, I was reading about map making, and this guy in, in the 1500s drew a map of the Mediterranean Sea. It had Italy and the boot and all that kind of stuff. They said it was so exact that they would have thought this medieval map maker had flown to the heavens and looked down and just drew what he saw. In the 1500s, they were writing maps that were so accurate it was reality. It was what it was like. But they did that from risking their lives at sea. How many sailors lost their lives just setting sail to, to discover you know, what was out there and learn lessons and failed some with their lives to get the information that was needed to put those maps together. But what just blows my mind is they were so intelligent and so smart and so good at math that, that they put these maps together. And even now, they question like how with the information that they had, could they have done this? Like, it's, it still boggles the mind that they would have, with the data they had, that they could have done what they did. God's given man lots and lots of wisdom, and we've learned lots and lots of lessons, but then we come to His Word, and we just want to figure it out ourselves. Or we want it to be easy, or we just want to feel God's presence, but we don't want to see where His map takes us. We don't want to see how it outlines the way that we're to live. We don't want to spend the time in it because it's hard. Well, yeah, it's hard, but it's worth it if you want to go somewhere. Show the next. So what I'm trying to show you is just pictures and pictures that take us closer to reality. 
but also realizing that the map is just as real. So this is a picture of the ocean. How many of you have stood by the ocean and, and watched those waves come in? I, without this picture, if you had never been to the ocean, and even if you've seen, obviously you would have seen pictures of the ocean, but if you've never been there, I could, you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, I could explain and explain and explain, and it's going to be nothing like the experience. It just isn't. There's no way. Hit the, hit the play. So that's one step closer, but it's still not the same as being there. But what I want us to grasp is that even being there, even being on the beach and experiencing those waves roll in, and it is relaxing and awe-inspiring and wonder-driving and great that that experience is, you're having an experience from one spot to that one piece of ocean, to that one tide rolling in. And as great as it is, it's a very simple, small experience. And we have one experience with God, one kind of exciting moment, and we think we've seen it all. We've experienced it all. We know everything we need to know. That feeling is enough. That moment's enough. And that's all I want. I just want the feelings. Because that's exciting. But it's one spot. And this gives you a map to the whole world. To the whole spiritual world. To every continent. To every ocean. To every... You can travel somewhere with this. If you're content to not do anything, to not go anywhere, to not travel anywhere, then by all means stand on your spot on the shore and experience a little bit of God. But if you want to go somewhere, you need a map. And so many people who even experienced something, I don't question that they weren't even experiencing God, but when they started walking without the map, they got off course. And that's what Paul's saying to the Galatians. He's saying, you got the word for me. You got the right gospel for me. You got the truth. And now somebody's coming and telling you something else and you're believing it. And you're going off course. What'd you do with your map? What'd you do with the Word? You're forgetting what you were taught. And the only way that we can stay on course and go where God is taking us is to take the map with us. <laughs> Interesting little story. Stupid little story. Show the next. This is that same Tampa Bay. Um, so six years ago, Candy and I went to Tampa for a vacation. Just her and I and the girls. Or not, the girls stayed home. It was just her and I. And so we went there, and um, I think it was like the second or third day we were there, we, there was some jet skis on the shore that you could rent like for an hour, and so we did that, and it was, we had, it was a blast. It was one of the best things that we did on the whole trip. So I was like, well, that was great, but it was kind of expensive. And I thought, well, I'd like to do that again, but I don't want to pay that much just for an hour. I want, you know, maybe there's a better deal out there, so I went to Groupon. Anybody, anybody use Groupon? So there was a Groupon, lo and behold. And the Groupon was like for all day, for not much more than an hour. And I was like, perfect. This is great. And so I call the guy. Well, it turns out he doesn't deliver the, the jet ski to you. He lives where that, <laughs> that right arrow, the, the red line where it starts on the right side. And we were where the left arrow or where the red line ends on the left side. And um, so I'm looking. So I pull up the map on my phone. You know, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, this isn't so... So far, <laughs> you know, 
Look at that. Can you see the little gap there? It's only that far. It's on the map. And, um, but I was still cautious. You know, I was, I don't know, I would have been like 32, something like that, 33. I was still cautious. Still had a little bit of wisdom. So I asked the guy, is that that far? Can I do that? You know, I tell him where we are. He knows the area. I trust him, you know. <laughs> I don't know why, but I trust him. And he's like, oh yeah, you can do that. You can ride it across the bay. That's not, it's only that far <laughs> on the map. So I go pick up the jet ski the next morning and meet him. And of course he's like two hours late, so it doesn't even start out well. And I'm waiting there and I'm like, well, it's too late to go back and get starting to get texts and phone calls from Candy. He's like, hey, this is our vacation and you're off getting this jet ski. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So, and, and really, honestly, just ruined an entire whole day of our vacation. Um, but so anyway, so I wait. He finally shows up, get on the jet ski, and start heading off. Well, turns out that little, that little gap, I'm not even sure how far it was, but I know that I, when I was in the middle of it, I could kind of barely see the land on that side, and I could barely see the land on this side, and I'm in waves that are probably like this high. That jet ski's going up and down and up and down. And, I mean, it was pretty much almost... Uh, when I, I, It started out well, you know, until I got... A good ways from the shore, it was fine, you know. And then once I got in the middle of it, now I'm in the middle of it, so you gotta, you gotta just keep going. And um, so I'm in the middle of this experience, learning something on my own that I should have been smart enough to know I didn't need to get involved at all. But I thought, hey, I could do all this. So I'm, I'm experiencing this in the middle of that bay. I I made the decision. I'm not taking this back. I don't care what that guy has to do. He's picking this thing up. You know, there was absolutely no way on earth I was going to traverse this again. And so I finally get across and, and by God's grace and mercy, I had my phone with the little dot on it that would show where I was. And by his grace and mercy, that dot worked. And I had a signal because otherwise I would have, I mean, it would have been horrible. Um, you know, literally could have gone out to sea and died. You know I mean? That, this is stupid. People, you know, kids don't. We don't need to learn these kind of lessons on our own. And so I make it across. I make it around. And even that little trip was a lot longer than I thought. Finally get to the beach about noon. I wouldn't have even been able to find the hotel without that dot. I mean, going along that deal and thinking where I was. And I was like, I got to be getting close. No, I wasn't close. It just, you know. So we finally get there. And guess what? When I get there, Kenny didn't want to ride the jet ski anymore. And you can't blame her, you know, it's like, you just wasted the whole morning, you dummy, you know. And so I don't know how, we ate lunch, and I finally convinced her to get on, so we go back out to see, you know. And we're kind of staying in that area, but went out a little bit further, and something got in the, in the blade and ground it down so that there was no propulsion anymore. And this... Praise the Lord. You know, we had gone kind of back around. Not, we didn't go away from the shore. But we kind of went around and then came back. So thank the Lord we were kind of at this bottom corner um, when it happened. But um, we were far enough out where it would have been a long swim. And we're just kind of sitting there going, what do we do? You know, we just leave this thing here and swim to the shore? Or do we? Yeah, and a, fisher, a fishing boat finally sees us and we wave him down. And this guy comes in and he is like, you're an idiot. You know, I mean, he was he was very honest and open and uh, shared some wisdom with me. 
he was like, you shouldn't be out here on this thing. What were you thinking? You know, and he tows us in and we get pulled into a dock that doesn't even have a ramp. You know, so then later that evening, I'm out there with these other guys, the owner of the jet ski towing it on a little boat to get it to a ramp. I mean, the whole thing was just a disaster. But we do these kind of things because we say, well, I want to learn on my own. But even in that stupidity, literally in the middle of that stupidity, if it hadn't have been for the map, as bad as that whole thing was, if I hadn't had that map and I hadn't seen where I was on that map, I would have been lost. And it would have, as bad as it was, it would have even been worse. I'm pretty sure the Coast Guard would have been involved. If the phone worked. I mean, if the phone didn't work, that could have been the end of me. I mean, we do things like this thinking, we got it covered, we understand, and then we come to something as important as our whole spiritual life and well-being, and we think, we can do this without a map. If it feels good, I'll do that. I can figure this out on my own. I don't need to know what anybody else says. What are we thinking? What are we thinking? Before I close, I just want to share one, one, uh, one really good story. Uh, it was in Second Kings, um, King Josiah. He was he was made king when he was eight years old. But when he when he came to the throne, they had lost the word of God. They didn't have it anymore. They didn't even know where it was. They had you know some of their traditions, what they were following, but they didn't have the word. And he sent uh, one of his servants to go. Uh, tell the temple that they could start using the money they'd collected to start rebuilding the temple. And while the servant was there, the priest said, hey, look what I found. I found the word of the Lord. And the servant took it back to King Josiah and they started reading it to him. And in verse uh, 10 of 2 Kings 22, it says, Then Shaphan and the secretary told the king Hilkiah the priest, has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us before our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is, is written concerning us. He believed it. And he said, We haven't been following the map. We lost it. But immediately his heart was broken and he wanted to follow the word of God. That's how we need to come to his word when we approach him. When, when we are standing on that beach looking at the waves, we're having a single isolated glimpse of reality. But that map, it fits thousands upon thousands of real experiences together. If we want to go anywhere, the map is absolutely necessary. Vague religion is attractive because it's all about feelings and no work. It's like watching the waves from the beach, but you won't get anywhere watching the waves. The experience is nice, but where are you going to go? What are you going to do with it? And you also won't get anywhere by staring at the maps all day. 
You could know every map of the world by heart. You could know every continent, every country, every, every place, every ocean, all of the maps in your mind and in your heart. You could have them memorized. But if you never traveled anywhere, what would be the point? So they're both necessary. They're both just as important. And once again, at the same time, if you're going to go sailing, it's not safe to go without a map. Even it wasn't safe with a map for me. Don't go sailing on a jet ski. A, a friend of mine posted this on Facebook this week, and I thought it was really good. It kind of, in my mind, pulls all this together. He says, for many years I believed that real ministry happened outside of the walls of the church building. And I've always believed that. The Bible tells us that we're to not forsake the gathering of the brethren. It doesn't invalidate what we're doing here. We're getting together here comparing maps. We're sharpening iron. We're, there's, there's a huge purpose about this. But we're supposed to be doing stuff out there. And I've, I believe what he says here totally. But listen to this, what he said next. But I kept waiting for the church to lead me to minister. He kept waiting for them to prepare them, for them to get them ready, for them to present the right word, for them to do something, and then I'll be ready to minister in the world. And he said, I've come to see that God brings people into our lives because our very selfless acts of love are what shows them the love of Christ. Just the loving those God puts in our path is the ministry we're meant to perform a lot of the time. That means practicing patience, forgiveness, selflessness, generosity, and kindness, which then leads to opening their hearts to God's love and message. God makes things so simple, and we often make them so hard. And that's true. All of it's true. I like how he ends, you know, it's God makes it simple, we make it hard. Well, at the same time, we can say it's very hard, and we have to be part of that process, but by His grace, he gives us the wisdom. He gives us the knowledge. He gives us Jesus Christ. He gives us everything we need to do it. So then it's simple. But if we change our heart, we have to seek Him. And we have to read His Word. We have to study the map. We have to get with other people and talk about our faith. We have to live it out there. So then it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard. It's not hard. It's easy. Yes. That's why it's a mystery. It all fits together, but it's not one piece. It's thousands and thousands of pieces that God can fit together. And just like we can't comprehend that when we look out at a field, that there's millions upon millions of, of blades of grass and leaves and trees and animals and bugs, and God has it all under control. He sees every piece of it. He understands every piece of it. He has every hair on our head numbered. He knows it all and he's got it under control and he wants us to walk with him. And he wants us to take the map and set sail. You know, we say no here and respond here at New Covenant. That encompasses it all. We have to know him. We have to hear him and we have to respond. That Those three words literally put it all in balance. We do it all. And we come to Him and we give Him our all. But if we've done that, the other stuff should follow. We can't leave out part. But we don't know what we're leaving out if we don't stay tied to the mat. 
Let's bow and pray as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You that You gave us a map. We would be lost without it. Oftentimes we're lost with it. But Father, by Your grace and by Your mercy, Lord, You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've said that You'll reveal all truth to us. All we have to do is ask. And Father, I pray this morning that through Your Holy Spirit, You would kindle in a desire. You would kindle in us a love for Your Word. A love for the map like we've never had before. Pray that Your Holy Spirit would reveal the truth to us, Lord. And that through our relationships, through talking to one another, through looking at the experiences of all those who've gone before us, Lord, through Your Word, through revelation directly from You that gives us that feeling and excitement like standing in the midst of the waves or even sailing along the sea itself, that we can put all those pieces together, Lord, and that we'll go where You send us and the work You've given us is accomplished. In Your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.